Good morning, church. I'm excited to see all of you. Uh, A lot of new faces, a lot of guests, a lot of old faces, people that uh, maybe have been gone during this wonderful year of 2020. Um, And you've been watching online and and you're back for the first or second or third time today. I'm glad to see you. And then, of course, uh, I see a family who's been gone for years because they moved away. Um, And the Lord obviously is letting them know that was a bad decision and they're back. Ryan Bonner, welcome back. Everybody give it up for Ryan Bonner. They haven't actually moved back, um, but I'm, I'm just pressing that way. <clears throat> anyway, glad to have all of you. You all look so wonderful. Today, I want to pick up where I left off last week on the subject of the rebirth of Israel. If you remember my title, it was, You Can't Keep a Good Land Down. Um, And today I want to pick back up. I really want to tie up some loose ends uh, because I didn't get a chance to finish that talk. And I just don't want to leave you with more questions than answers. So, uh, all right. I think that's good. Our text today, you've already been standing, so I'll let you keep your seats. But our text today is a controversial piece of text that I submitted to you last week was a series of verses that global wars have begun over and based on the interpretation of those verses. And so I want to read that one more time. It's Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. God, I thank you for family I thank you for the time and the opportunity to worship you today. God, specifically with all of these kids, I thank you for candy and suckers. I thank you, Lord, that you are just among us. God, let your word come alive in our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. All right, so in that that text, Genesis 12, one through three, we see three verses, and I'm not gonna talk about them again so much, but I just wanna recap them i just list them out for you. The first verse that we see given to Abraham is a great nation and a land to live in. We talked about how God would establish Israel himself. The next promise, promise two, was a generational blessing. In these verses, there is a promise from God to create generational blessings from Abraham to his seed. Promise number three, a conditional blessing. In verse three, it says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. This conditional blessing is saying that for the people who understand that God's hand is on Israel and they choose to bless Israel, God himself will bless those people. Do you know what I'm saying? We we who have siblings, we understand this concept of I can pick on my brother, I can pick on my sister, but you better not, right? That's pretty much what God is saying. Israel is our our family. 
And so when we bless them, we're going to get blessed. And when we curse them, we're going to be cursed. So these, these promises are pretty simple. And what causes global war is that they're misappropriated to different people, different times, different nations. And I hope last week that I made that clear to you. But like I said today, I really want to tie up some loose ends. Now, I'll just remind us all this morning that these promises was to a nation. God didn't make a covenant with Norway, okay? God did not identify, self-identify as the God of Switzerland. All throughout scripture, we see that he self-identifies as the God of Israel. And so there is a purpose, there is a reason for that. And I'll just say right now, I'll repeat it again. It's worth repeating. Israel is the greatest, most important place on planet Earth. I know you thought it was Disney World. Some of you thought it was Texas. And some of us thought it was America. But I'm here to tell us all that Israel is the focal point of the nations. In fact, Ezekiel 5.5 says, See, I have set thee in the midst of the nation. God says that he purposefully set Israel in the midst of the nations. You know, Israel is, is where three major continents come together. Quite literally, they are in the midst of the nation. Also, when you read your Bible, anytime you see the handy-dandy north, south, east, and west, it's always referring to Jerusalem from the vantage point of Jerusalem. So if it says we're looking to the east, they're not talking about Africa. Even though Africa is east for us, it's not east for Jerusalem. Are you with me? So that's good to know whenever we're, we're reading scripture that Israel is in the crosshair of even north, south, east, and west. Now I've written a few questions and I had a couple of questions come in throughout the week from some of you. So I'm going to answer those publicly because I figured if you had them and, and you texted me or you emailed me, then I probably should answer them for everyone, right? So here are some questions that I want to walk through. Question number one, if Jews are God's chosen, do they have to accept Christ and believe in the gospel? That's a good question, isn't it? If God's if God's chosen people are Jews, if they're already chosen, do they have to accept Jesus Christ and believe in the gospel? Now, I'm not going to take a survey, but wouldn't it be fun to say, if you think yes, raise your hand. And if you think no, raise your hand. The reality is it's a bit confusing. So I want to make sure that we all understand the answer to this question is yes, absolutely. Jews must place their faith in Jesus Christ, who is their redeemer, just like he's our redeemer. Jews don't get a get out of jail free card. Well, technically, I guess we all do with Jesus. But they get the same get out of, get out of jail free card that we get, but they have to put their faith in Jesus. So to explain this, I talked a little bit about this on Wednesday at Awaken. If you weren't here, I, I encourage you to come. We have a great time, but I'm I'll tell you, in the Bible, there are three types of people. Uh, Jews, Gentiles, and the church. So we've been talking a lot last week and today about Jews. 
God's people, right? People of Israel. The Bible also talks about Gentiles. Now, if you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. Do I have any Jews in the room today? Last week, we had a two percenter. Two percent Jew, Tom, was here with us. He had to fly back. I think any, any, anyone with Jewish blood? No, okay. A little bit on the front, anywhere else? Of course, the Jew would be sitting on the front row. Great. So we've got some Jewish blood here, and we've got everyone else that's a Gentile, okay? So there is Jew and there is Gentile. Now, how many know that John 3.16 lets us know that God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life? The whole world, his love goes to who? All right? God loves everybody. We ain't talking about love today. We're talking about covenant, okay? You need to understand the difference because God loves everyone, even those who have not said yes to the covenant that he offers to them. That's where this comes in, the church. When you say yes to Jesus, you become the church. Now, if you're a Gentile here and you've said yes to Jesus, you are now in the church, if you are a, a Jew, 2% or more, and you've said yes to Jesus, you can still claim that Jewish heritage, but you are now considered the church, all right? So both Jews and Gentiles are in the church. Now remember, the original question was, if you're a Jew, do you ex have to accept Jesus and the gospel? And I said, yes, you do. However, I want you to understand that there are covenants that are made between Gentiles and Jews. In fact, I want to take you, this won't be on the screen because I don't have it in my notes, but I just had this thought of Genesis 17. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. I want to read to you a portion of Scripture because What's going around these days is, is some bad theology saying that the church has replaced the Jews. It's called replacement theology. It's not really new, but a lot of people believe that the church replaced the Jews. And I'm going to prove to you right now, well, I'm going to let the word of God speak for itself. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples shall be from her. Okay, pause. Sarah's really, really, really old, okay? Abraham's really, really old. They wanted, they wanted a baby, couldn't have a baby, but now we see that God is making a promise in verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, the scripture says. He said this in his heart, which, which tells us that even the things you say in your heart can be heard by someone. I mean, it's written here, so someone heard what Abraham said in his heart. He said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, now he verbalizes it, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. 
Verse 19, then God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish, this is in verse 19, make a note, go back and read it later. I will establish my covenant with him, with who? With Isaac, for an everlasting covenant. How long? Everlasting. And with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. So here we see the covenant given to Abraham is being transferred to whom? Isaac. And who comes after Isaac? Jacob which is Israel, and after Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, and then we get down to Judah. Do you see how it's flowing from Abraham to Israel to Jesus? And boom, from the land of the Jews, we get Holy Scripture, we get the Son of God, we get religion, and thankfully, we turn it also into a relationship with Jesus. So do you see how it is quite possible that God creates a covenant with the church while still maintaining his covenant with Abraham that funnels down to Isaac, that funnels down to Jacob, which funnels down to Judah. Are you, do you understand? We're talking about se se uh, separate covenants. However, oh gosh, this brings me into another thing that people get off on. There's this thing also going around called dual covenant. Dual covenant um, is actually, let's see, dual covenant theology says that there is a plan for the church and then a plan for Jews to accept Jesus. Okay, if you hear that, don't believe it. There's only one plan. Jesus tells us in John chapter four, verse four, he's talking to Nicodemus, in fact, and he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right? So we're talking, I hope, am I keeping you this morning? Are you with me still? Okay. I, I need to yank the line, make sure the fish is still on the, on the line. Jews must be born again just as you and I must be born again to step into the covenant of redemption. But Genesis 12, these three promises that I said create wars, is not specifically addressing spiritual redemption. It's talking also to a nation that flows from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah so Israel is also blessed. So the original question, if Jews are God's chosen, do they have to accept Christ and believe in the gospel? Yes. Next question. Why does God favor the Jews? That doesn't seem fair. You're right. It's not fair. I tell my kids all the time, fair is not equal and equal is not fair. But we have to get the right perspective on this. You ever had... You ever had family that you see on Christmas or Thanksgiving and you don't see them any other time of the year? And, and, and you go and you, oh, maybe you even have to work yourself up to be around that family person. Or you sit a few tables. Oh, when I said that, you suddenly understood. You're like, oh yes, that is me. 
Okay, so you, you have these, these people, you, we call them like, you know, they blood. That don't mean you want to be around them 300, the other 364 days out of the year. Okay? You with me? But then you have what I call family of choice. The people that you ask to marry you. Well, I mean, the person you ask <laughs> to marry you. By the way, Carrie and I celebrated this week 26 years of marriage. Thank you. She deserves so much for putting up with me. But she's my family of choice, and I'm her family of choice. And every day we make that choice over again, right? And then we have church family, right? The, the dine-ins, the castanetas. Well, now they're also family of choice by marriage, but you get my point. There are people that we choose to be around because, like, we just click. We're just family. Do you have anyone like that in your life? Okay, so I, I want to take that thought of people that you have to be family with because they're blood and people that you choose to be family with. Now, the people that you have to be family with because they're blood, you still look out for them. If they need food, you're going to get them food. If they call you with an issue, you're going to pray for them, right? I mean, come on. Like, they're not just a, a nobody. They're, st they're blood. They're family. So you feel this somewhat an obligation uh, to reach out to them. So you have family of choice and you have family that is blood. The Jews are God's heritage. We know that absolutely. He comes from the line of Israel, from the tribe of Judah. That's God's family. Even if they're the family that he only sees once a year. He, he has an obligation, not, not by law. He has an obligation because his heart is bent toward them. Because that's his heritage. Are you tracking with this analogy? All right. So he wants to provide for them. He's given them, as we just read, an everlasting covenant to the nations that fall under Abraham and Isaac. Like he, he is bent toward them. However, you're his family of choice by your choice. Because you received the sacrifice of Jesus by your own choice, you have stepped into his family of choice. You're the one he wants to hang around. You're the one he wants to sit by the pool with. You're the one he wants to roast marshmallows with. You're the one he wants to do like talking while you're sleepy at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to be jealous of this. This is the once a year. He's going he's gonna to be faithful to this. Don't you worry. He, he, is a, he is a God of his word. And he's going to bless them. He's in covenant with them. I see so many church people kind of jealous of the Jews. Well, I wish I was God's chosen. I wish I was his favorite. You are. The Jews are too. They just don't know it. They, they have a spirit of stupid. The Bible says that. It, it says it in Romans 11, 8. God calls the spirit of stupor to come upon the Jews. I call it a spirit of stupid. Stupor, whatever, slumber. 
God calls, caused the spirit of slumber to come upon the Jews, and, and it's by their slumber, by their stupidity, by their rejection of Christ that you and I have access now to the Creator. In fact, we go to Romans 11. Let's read this together, verse 28 through 32. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy, that's talking to us, the Gentiles, we have now obtained mercy through the disobedience of the Jews. Do you see this tangled love affair going on? Even so, these have also now been disobedient that, that through their mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. In other words, they disobeyed God. They couldn't live up to the Ten Commandments even. They couldn't live up to the law. Enter Jesus the savior of the world. You know, Jesus' first ministry was to the Jews, not to you and I. Jesus came to the Jews, but scripture tells us that his own rejected him. And because his own rejected him, all of a sudden now we've got Paul who is commissioned to go to the Gentiles, which we read the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, one through four. Paul is now assigned specifically to the Gentiles. And there's this whole new door opened up for you and I to become the church. So why does God favor the Jews? That doesn't seem fair. God favors every single one of us. It's like I tell my kids, I love you all. But I, all, I love you all in different ways. You ever said that to your kids? And sometimes what you really mean is, I love some of you a little less. But God doesn't mean it that way. God loves us all. He's just extending covenants to different people. It's different languages. Yet salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, you know, when we read they are chosen and feel somehow less than, we're almost envious of them. But how can we envy someone that God has created us to make jealous? I'll say that again. Sometimes we become jealous of the Jews because we think they're God's chosen. But did you know scripture makes it very clear that God established the church to make the Jews jealous. He wants the Jews to be jealous for him, to run after him. He wants the Jews to see the hand of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God on the church. And he wants the Jews to scratch their head and wonder, what's going on here? We serve the God of Israel. In Acts 15, Paul is going around preaching the gospel. And, you know, this is after the Holy Spirit comes and he's going around from place to place preaching the gospel. Paul is, he's doing a, a great, fantastic job. And when he leaves a place, a group of people come in, you know, probably very pious Pharisee men, I don't religious men. They come in and they say, hey, we're with him. Uh, yeah, we, we just need to tell you one more thing. There's one little thing that you have to do uh, to be saved. It's called circumcision. You have to get, you know, snip, snip. 
suddenly goes from the good news to the bad news, right? And, and Paul has to come in and, and correct all of that and say, no, 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 we're not, we're not working with the law. And in Acts 15, we see that Peter stands up, loudmouth Peter stands up and he just declares to everyone, lets everyone know uh, that we, we're not requiring you to be circumcised. We're only requiring circumcision of the heart. We're only requiring that you follow Jesus. So we bless Israel because our salvation has come through the line of the Jews, through the bloodline of Israel. But right now, someone asked me on Wednesday, how do I best pray for Israel? Someone asked me on Wednesday, and I said, you know, right now, um, pray for the peace of Israel. Uh, peace is always a good thing. Can I get an amen? I mean, I wouldn't want my kids dying, my relatives dying in Israel or any other nation. But also pray that their eyes of their heart may see the Messiah. Pray that their ears are opened to hear. I'll get to a couple more questions. Next question. Now that the church is established, now that we have the church, remember I mentioned replacement theology earlier? And that, that would be easy to be confused. Like now the church gets all the promises of Israel and that doesn't matter, but, but it's separate covenants. Um, but now the question is, now that the church is established, what is the purpose of Israel? Oh, that's a great question. The purpose of Israel are twofold. Number one, it's to test the nations. And you can go to Isaiah 43 to read about these two purposes. One is to test the nations. And the second is to be a witness to God. The nation of Israel. I'm not talking about race here. I'm talking about the nation of Israel. Is a witness to God. Because God has attached his name to Israel and he's also said that it won't be destroyed. Do you know nation after nation has tried to destroy Israel and it's not succeeded. We're now on the rebirth for the third time of Israel. Israel, I've said this every time I talk about Israel to give you perspective, it's the size of New Jersey, right? So Israel is established, but the purpose is to be a witness to God for God's favor, God's blessing, and God's forgiveness. Next question. Um, are the Gentiles, that's you and me, indebted to the Jews? That's a hot question. Um, are the Gentiles indebted to the Jews? All right, let's take a vote. If you think the Gentiles are indebted to the Jews, um, I want you to push your right toe down into the ground you got to make a decision. I don't care if anyone sees it, but you have to commit. Are the Jews indebted? No. Are the Gentiles indebted to the Jews or not? If yes, push down your right toe. If no, push down your left toe. Has everyone voted? Okay, the answer is yes. Gentiles are indebted to the Jews. I'll, I'll take you to Romans 15, verse 25 through 27. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia 
and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, listen, and they are their debtors. For if Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. If we have been partakers of the spiritual things that have flowed out of Israel, it is our obligation to minister in the physical things to the nation of Israel. This is why I've said now for two weeks, it is very important that you and I bless Israel. Our stance on Israel matters. Our nation's stance on Israel matters. Being pro-Israel will cost you, I guarantee, but your reward is eternal. It's 11.27. Can I have five more minutes? Can I have five more minutes? The whole series is about a day. Time hop, a moment in time that changes destiny. The whole reason I haven't started talking about Israel, and I feel like the whole past two sermons have been big old rabbit trails, and this is what I just needed to communicate to you. On May 14th, nineteen forty-eight, there was a moment that happened that has changed everything. On May 14th, 1948, in a day, Israel became a nation. Prophesied 2,500 years earlier, and it happened exactly as the prophet foretold. In a day, the nation was born. Never had been done, never will be done again. Why is that important? Because Matthew 24 tells about Uh, Jesus is talking on the Mount of Olives. And the first half, he's talking about Israel. The second half, he steps in, he begins to talk about uh, the church and also the nation of Israel. And and the Olivet Discourse, which it's called Matthew 24, is Olivet Discourse, says something very peculiar about the fig tree generation. Now, the fig tree generation, I just saw a big fig tree lately. um, And this is not at all what it looks like. Okay. And uh, it falls to the ground and becomes fig newtons. All right. Now the fig, the fig tree represents the nation of Israel. Okay. It, there's, there's no scholar that I, I'm aware of that disagrees with that. You can find that in Hosea 9.10. Uh, Jeremiah 24, 5, Matthew 24, verses 32 through 33, Psalm 52, 8, Psalm 128, Romans 11, 7 through 24. Do you trust me? Okay, the fig tree is Israel. The Bible also talks about an olive tree. Right? Just imagine with me. The olive tree. Um, And the vine... The vine represents Israel's spiritual privileges, right? All the things that God promises to do for Israel, like be there for them, comfort them, um, you know, support them, encourage them, attaboy them. 
you and I get grafted into the vine and you and I as a Gentile, you and I get the spiritual principles, privileges of Israel. That's why we don't need to be jealous of Israel and Jews because we get all of those spiritual privileges because we've been grafted into the vine. Now the, the olive tree represents the religious principles of Israel. And I'm not gonna go into explaining all the dynamics of that, but you can read all of this yourself in Romans chapter 11. I suggest that you do. Go home and read Romans 11. It's quite fascinating actually how Paul is talking about we are grafted in into this. What we're not grafted into is the fig tree, which represents Israel, the nation. So in Matthew, in Matthew 24, Jesus says in verse 32, now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. What is he talking about? He's referring to earlier in the Olivet Discourse, he's saying the signs of the end times and the generation who sees the fig tree bloom and bud will not pass away until the end of the age when Jesus returns and sets up his reign. I have a picture. Do we have a picture ready to go? It's the desert of Israel. This was just over 80 years ago. Just prior to 1948, Mark Twain even wrote, not even a cactus would want to live there. Israel. So Israel had been destroyed. This was taken before 1948. And now to this day, that turned to this. I would say that we are the generation that has seen the fig tree bloom again the nation of Israel bloom again. So the next question is, if that generation sees that happen and that generation is not going to pass until the Lord returns, how long is a generation? Well, the Bible talks about several different things, but we can, and most scholars agree, uh, today's generation can be traced back to Psalm 90:10. The days of our lives are 70 years, unless if by strength they're 80 years, Psalm 90:10. if we have that. So it's 70 years or 80 years, that's a generation. All right, one last calculation before I send you on your way. My heart just raced because I didn't confirm this was blank. I'm glad someone did. It's like I'm turning this around and I don't know what's on the other side. If May 14th, 1948 was when Israel bloomed, it became a nation, fulfilling prophecy, it became a nation in one day. The Bible says that generation, no, the fig tree generation is an interpretation of that scripture, okay? I'm giving you an interpretation of that scripture. That generation will not pass away. So 1948 plus 70 years, that is, because I've already done the math, I know that that's 2018. Has 2018 passed? Yes, 2018 has already passed. 
If we go to the high end of 1948, plus 80 years, the year is 2028, okay? And I submitted to you that when Jesus says you'll see all these things, he also includes the, the day of the Lord, which is the day of the Lord is the seven-year tribulation. And, and if that math is correct, and the interpretation is correct, that's kind of a big if, but go with me. If the interpretation is correct, that means the tribulation listed in the Bible would start no later than 2021, okay? Now, based on your belief system of pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, or post-trib, and if all of that sounds foreign to you, I encourage you to be here on Wednesday nights because I'm talking about the rapture. I'm talking about the catching away, and I'm explaining uh, each, each perspective. If you're pre-trib and you believe that Jesus is coming back before the tribulation, then Jesus would need to come back before May 15th of 2021. The rapture would need to happen before May 15th of 2021 for this to hold true. Okay? Does that make sense to all of you? Okay. Here's the clincher. This is all based on an interpretation. So don't go home and, and stop making your mortgage payments. Forget that. I'm going to Disney World. Right? Don't, don't be dumb. We occupy until he comes. The, the reality is there's so many variables like... The fig tree generation could be misinterpreted. What if it's referring to the 120 years that Noah was talking about on the days of a man's life? Like, what if? I don't, I don't believe that to be true, but what if? If so, we got over 40 more years to go, baby. Like, keep investing your money, keep work, keep your job, keep going to work on time. I can just see some of us, I'm not going in tomorrow, yes. That's not at all what I'm trying to communicate to you. What I am trying to communicate to you is that time may be short. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour that Jesus is returning, but we can see the signs of the times. We can see things happening in the world that the Bible is speaking of. And so if you're not ready every single day to meet Jesus. And the reality is, you are living in your last days. I don't know how long I'm gonna live. If I live to be 80, that's 35 more years, 34 more years. That's my last days. No matter when we go home to see the Lord, you're currently in your last days and you don't know when that last day is going to be. So church, we've gotta be ready. I love how Paul was talking and he was talking to the Philippians in Philippians 1 and he said, I'm torn, I'm betwixt between the two. I wanna go home and see my creator. I wanna go be with Jesus, but I also wanna be here and continue to, to pour out to you. And I'm just telling you, some of you right now, you may be feeling betwixt between the two. You're tired of this world. You're tired of the COVID restrictions. You're tired of, of not having the income you need. Maybe your job has been shut down. Maybe your family relationships are just really clashing. You're spending way too much time together. Whatever the situation may be, you're feeling betwixt between the two. You're like, Lord, enough of this. Will you just come already or bring me home?
I just want to encourage you. There is purpose in your moment now. We don't know when Jesus is coming. We don't know when you're going home. And I don't care how bad you're ready to go home right now. I need to remind you that you have a purpose right now. And part of occupying till he comes doesn't mean just getting through another day. It means asking the Lord, what is my purpose for the here and the now? Will you stand with me? I hope that I've given you enough today to wrap up Israel for us to know that we should honor it and bless it, yet not be jealous of it. To know that we also are a chosen generation of royal priesthood. And possibly I've spurred uh, uh, enough question in you that you might want to dig into scripture a little bit more. And, and maybe, maybe I've encouraged you to take your relationship with Jesus more seriously. And if you're here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus or you're watching online and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, once and for all, you just want to make things right. You want to place your faith in him. You believe that Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sin that he was buried and placed in a grave and on the third day he rose again and you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, will you just wave at me? I know our heads are up and our eyes are open. That's okay. You have the courage just to wave at me. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Ready to say yes, thank you. Anyone else? If you're watching online and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you just do... Do something physical. Let, let your faith be put into action with something physical. Stand to your feet, roll over in bed, do something. You see, the Lord loves you so much and today is your day of salvation. Church, will you just bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross. I believe that he rose again. And today I declare that I am a son or daughter of you. From this moment forward, my life will never be the same. I choose to be a child of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you just said yes, I want you to text NEXT to 512-980-1220. We would love to walk with you in your next steps. Church, can we just celebrate the people that said yes to Jesus this morning? God bless you.